ambition. You know, I was really, I was really, you know, driven for many, many reasons. Some of them was just, you know, you know, coming in from a from a third world country, coming in from a place where we had nothing really, literally. You know, you know, I can't explain to you and for you able to be able to visualize living in a third world country and then having nothing. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 139. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith, and I'm the founder of L3 Leadership. In this episode, you're going to get to hear the story of Gash Abibi. Gash is the former global vice president of Wesco, and I really think you're going to enjoy this story. Uh, Gash grew up in Ethiopia. And he moved to America when he was young and he took the opportunity that America provided him and he ended up being the number four guy at Wesco, which is a $7 billion leading electrical distribution and service company. And he led their global business development team. And, um, this again, this is part two of a two part interview. Uh, in episode 138, you can actually go back and listen to my interview with Gash where, um, we talk about his leadership and what got him there. But in this, you're going to hear about how he came from Ethiopia and worked his way up to being the number four guy. And I think that you're really going to enjoy and take a lot out of his story. But before we jump into Gash's story, if you're new to the podcast, we're committed to bringing you three episodes every single month. One will always be from our events that we host. One will be an interview that I do with a high level leader. And then once a month, you'll get a leadership lesson by me as well. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever it is you use to listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you so much for that in advance. And I wanted to let you know that we recently introduced L3 Leadership Membership. And so for just 25 bucks a month, you can now become a member of L3 Leadership. And as a result of becoming a member, you will get into all of our breakfast events for free. You'll get a free L3 Leadership t-shirt. You'll have access to joining our mastermind groups and access to our member-only site filled with extra content, interviews, podcasts, resources, and courses to help take your leadership to the next level. For more information on membership, go to l3leadership.org forward slash membership. And lastly, I want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They are owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. And my wife and I actually got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers. And they're just an incredible company. They're a family-owned business right here in Pittsburgh. And not only do they have great jewelry, but they also really believe and invest in people. In fact, they actually give books to all of their couples that are getting engaged. They gave one to Laura and I as well to help invest into their marriage. And John has personally become a mentor of mine. Uh, he mentors me in leadership and my family life as well. He's helped me be a great dad and helped me be a great husband as well. So they're just a great family, great jeweler, great business. So if you're in need of great jeweler, go to hennyjewelers.com. With that being said, let's just jump right into Gash's story. Enjoy, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Well, Gash, thank you so much for being willing to do this interview. And why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Gash Shaw Abibi, but all my friends and my family call me Gash. It's easier for foreigners to call Gash as opposed to Gash Shao, so that's my name. But I was born and raised in Ethiopia, um, lived there. My father and my grandfather were railroad engineers, and then I grew up in a family of nine. I was the second child, and then I came to America in November 1971. And ever since here, since I've been in America, you know, I landed and I was in Washington, D.C. for a few months, went to a community college, and then after that I moved to Minnesota. I went to the University of Minnesota 
for for a, a semester or so. Then ultimately, I went back to uh, Elgin, Illinois, which is a northwest suburb of Chicago, where I went to college in a Christian school, a Baptist school, where I ultimately finished my college degree. Yeah, and then tell us about your corporate career, just so people have contacts for who you are and what you've done. Well, let me just uh, provide you a little more background about myself, uh, which uh, let me try to go in detail. Uh, that would be very helpful. So when I came from Amer- from Ethiopia to America to go to the University of Minnesota, you know, several things happened that as I look back and as I look at my, you know, how things shaped up for me, and I feel that um, God had, uh, uh, you know, a protection and a mind to what he wants to do with me. So when I went to the University of Minnesota, Family of nine, like I said, I was the second child. The first day in school after I registered, very cold, miserable day, me coming from Africa, and I was homesick. And I remember towards the end of the day, before I even went to the dorm, getting a phone call saying that there's a missionary that have moved from Ethiopia. From Ethiopia. The American missionaries that have lived for over 30 years in Ethiopia, they have moved back to Minnesota area. And they've heard your story. They'll love you to come and stay with them. So that was really one of, one of the most peaceful things that happened to me during what I call a major crisis. But as I look back, a minor crisis. So I went and lived with them. And then in there is really where I got a hold of a, a brochure from a small Christian college. And then as I was reading the brochure... Miss Johnson said, could I take a look at the brochure? And I said, absolutely. And then as soon as she looked at the brochure, she looked at the first page. She said, oh, my word. And she gave it to her husband, Maynard Johnson. So Mr. Johnson looked at it, and then they looked at each other. And then she said, do you know who this is? They showed me the president of the college. And I said, no, I don't. And then she said, he went to seminary with Maynard Johnson. So that, again, is, you know, that God has his hands on me and protecting me and watching over me. Then soon after that, I communicated with the college. Then I got accepted, uh, and I had a full ride and went to uh, Chicago, Illinois, which is a northwest suburb. It's called Elgin, Illinois. Went to college there, played soccer. I was All-American. And finished school in three and a half years. And that's why I met my wife and got married with my wife in 1974. Great. And can you talk about uh, corporate-wise? So then well, got married. Got married. <clears throat> then corporate-wise, and I, you know, I really initially, you know, I knew my desire. I knew I've always been a, a pusher. I've always been a hard worker. I always wanted to move up the ladder. But at that point in time in my life, really, I knew that I wanted to move up, but um, I don't know how to get. I don't know how to move up. So I had some miscellaneous job when I graduated from college. But in um, um, I would say sometimes in September 1976, uh, back then was Westinghouse Corporation, which now is no longer. They had college recruits, and I was recruited by them 
as a college trainee. That then I started my work in December 1, 1976. Then soon after that, you know, I, I let me just go back. When the first day I started work, I still, I would say probably what shaped me really into becoming who I am. There are several elements and there are several things that shaped me. But the first day at work, I think, you know, I still remember it as if it's yesterday. Because I remember I finished college like any college kids back then. You always say, okay, I'm finished college. My major is economics. Then I'm going to get a job. I'm going to wear a suit and tie and go have my own offices and move on and life is good. <laughs> so I remember going to this office. Uh, they had a very, very good program. The program was you start from the bottom up and then you move up. And then as you start progressing, you move up the ladder. So as I did my paperwork and then as I was leaving and the guy said to me, it was a Friday. I remember his name. His name is Mike Smith. He said, Gash, back then. Nobody called me Gash. So Gash, by the way, when you come in Monday, just make sure you wear your jeans and T-shirts. And then when I was driving 25 miles to my apartment, I just felt like crap. You know, here I am. I finished college. I was supposed to have my suit and tie. And now he's telling me to wear my jeans to come and do a labor job in the warehouse. So, so I started in 1976, December. Then I worked hard. And then, you know, for 30 days, the training was to be in the warehouse, making sure that you touch and feel and understand the products. <laughs> and then after that, they put me in the customer service side, which was probably the best training that I've had, which is, you know, contractors, talking to contractors, to industrial people. Here's a situation, if a customer is not happy, they'll call you and really chew you out. If the customer is happy, they'll say good job. But a lot of times, the same people that say good job today, tomorrow, they could really, really chew you up. So it was a very, very good situation for me. You know, I learned very, very much how to service customers, how to be very <clears throat> polite and how to uh, make the customer feel co comfortable and feel good about themselves. Then after that... Uh, I moved up the ladder, and then I became purchasing for this company. So then I worked in purchasing for about a year or so. And then, again, through my ambition, I wanted to be somebody else. My goal in life was to help my family back home. My goal in life is also I have finished college, so I should be able to do much better. Then I went to be going sales, outside sales. So, you know, mind you, back then... You know, in Chicago, you know, my territory was downtown Chicago. I had some accounts really in a very, very bad neighborhood. So what do you do is I was calling in some of the hospitals. So what do you do is really you get up early in the morning, get your go dozen donuts, get early in the morning, make your calls in the bad neighborhood before they wake up. <laughs> because after 10 o'clock, you never know what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you get done, you put your, your tie back, then you have to wear a tie, suit and tie. You meet with a customer, meet with them, get your donuts, get hand in the donuts. By 9 o'clock, you're getting out of there. So, so I did that for quite a while. Again, my ambition, you know, I was really, I was really you know, driven for many, many reasons. Some of them was just... You know, you know, coming in from a from a third world country, coming in from a place where we had nothing really, literally, 
you know, you know, I can't explain to you and for you able to be able to visualize living in a third world country and then having nothing. Uh, then coming in here, having the opportunity to be able to grab it if you know how to use it. So that really is really my motivating factor is I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to be able to help my family. And when I grow up, I just want to do that. So that really motivated me. Then I worked for a guy, very tough guy, really very, very tough guy, mean guy. You know, he was good during the daytime, but in the afternoon he could be very, very mean and nasty because back then he could drink. So when he goes out to drink, when he comes back, you just, you whatever he says, you just keep your mouth shut and then move on. Uh, because if you say anything else, he will take you on and he will just chew you out. So, but he was, in some ways, he was unsure of himself because he only had high school education. So he had a very low self-esteem. So I had to be careful on how I, you know, how I dealt with him. But in a lot of ways, he was my motivating factor. He told me that, he said, Gash, he said, Gash, he said, you're a smart man. I think you could grab this job, which is the highest position back then for that company, hmm. for that division. I think you could do it. So in some ways, it was my motivating factor. In some ways also, oh, it terrified me, especially when it goes out and drinks and comes back, you just keep your mouth shut. Wow. So, but, you know, then I, you know, when he really reaffirmed me that I could be able to do it, then I start pushing myself. Hmm. Then really, every time I moved up, I could look back and say, you know, Chuck, you're right. Wow. Then in 1984, I got the opportunity to be, to move to California. So from where I was running one branch operation, which was about back then, was probably $30, $40 million branch, I went to a district, which we had about, 12 locations or so where we had $100 million. $100 million business in 1984 was a lot of money. Okay. So in California, our territory, me and my boss's territory, you know, he was a district manager and I was a district operations manager. In that, we had our base was in, in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles. <clears throat> our territory goes. For those that know, you know that has a, that have an understanding of the California uh, map, so from Los Angeles we go as south as San Diego, and then to Palm Springs, then to Bakersfield, then to Santa Barbara area. So that was our area. So in that really now, from running one operation, I had eleven operations. I've got or twelve operations. I got twelve managers reporting to me. I had the purchasing department reporting to me. I had the customer service department reporting to me. And I had all the asset management reporting to me. So that really, you know, kind of reaffirms now I'm really doing good. And then I also start having a personal confidence, self-confidence that in my, ter- in my level of position within that company, within that division, I'm probably the best. So I really believed in me. And then I had a boss in California. His name is Charlie Hawk. Uh, God rest his soul. He passed away, but uh, he was a funny New Yorker, very charming guy, very, very good guy. And he had the ability to just make you, you know, drop your guard and talk to him and listen to him. And he was in his way, really, a really, really influencing factor for me as well. And uh, 
he helped me. And then in 1987, one of my colleagues that I met in Chicago had gone to work for another comp competitive company in California. And he called me and asked me if I could come and join with him and being his number two guy. And, uh, and I keep in mind, I told you earlier that I felt in my position, I was the best in the company, which is a division of Westinghouse. Ours was a distribution side. I knew I was the best. So as I was giving my uh, resignation, uh, the president, it went all the way to the president. The president said, the individual that used to work for me that left now is equal to me in another company. He's not going to take you. <laughs> so he said, you tell me what you want to do. And then he said, let's see if we could make it happen for you. So my wife, Paula, and I have been married since 1974. Now we're celebrating our 42, 42nd anniversary. So, uh, so Paula was born and raised in Iowa. And uh, she liked the Midwest, primarily the Chicago area, because that's where we spend a lot of our time together. So she was kind of homesick. And she didn't feel that for our three children, that's the place to raise children in California. So we prayed about it. And our prayer was, we're going to make a request. If that request happens, if it's God's will, then we're going to go back and tell them we're going to go back to Chicago with a bigger role. Okay. If our request gets turned down, then God wants us to stick around in California. So we were, we were really, we prayed and prayed and said, we talked about it and finally said, if this happens, then that's God's will to go back home. If that doesn't happen, then we'll stay. So the next day I told them, okay, these are the things. One is, this is the position that I want, which is now I'm going to be handling, instead of a district, I'm going to be handling 17 states coming back to Chicago to where we want to be, our home base. Because we want to come home. Because Paula said, if, I, if you could take me back home to Chicago, let's do it. Second thing is all the other amenities that comes with a, with a bigger job. So they said yes, and they said, we'll get you out in 30 days. And that's where we came to Chicago. So then in Chicago, <clears throat> coming back to my home base, that was in 1987. So I was in Chicago from 76 to late 83. And then in 84, we went to California. In 87, we came back to Chicago. Okay. So in Chicago, I come back to my home base. A lot of the guys that used to be my bosses, now I'm the supervisor of the boss. A lot of guys were my friends. I got to get back with them. So in there from 87 to 92, we're there. Uh, we had 17 states. Um, I had, you know, my responsibility was really... <clears throat> With the exception of the sales team, I had everything. I had back then, we had human resources, I had uh, purchasing, I had inventory control, I had customer service, I have uh, operations, you name it, everything else that relates to operations on 17 states, that was my responsibility. So again, my motivation is I am going to be the best, but uh, I'm not going to lose my focus being the best. Okay, so let me go back again. Uh, 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 let me take you back to uh, before I went to California. I said I went to California in in, 80, in 84. In the 82, 81 time frame, 81 time frame, um, my dad passed away. Okay. Another 
motivating factor. Okay. When my dad passed away, my older brother was living with me. Um, you know, back then I always felt that I was a Christian, but I really didn't know the true meaning of Christian. I felt that being born in a family of Christian and then going to church, I thought that was really being a Christian. But I really didn't understand the meaning of Christian. So in my view, in my vocabulary, in my, you know, in, you know that I felt that I was a Christian. Okay. So when my dad passed away, <clears throat> I really vividly remembered, you know, people telling us early in the morning, they woke us up and said, you know, your dad passed away. And uh, my, bro- my older brother was living <clears throat> with us in the basement. I still see it, you know, very visually at this moment. He came upstairs, he had his Bible and started crying. And he was reading the Bible. And uh, I felt at that time I want to be like him. But that wasn't the time either. Uh, We just moved on. In that November for Thanksgiving, you know, my wife and I normally go to Iowa to visit her family, you know, big farm. All our family relatives are farmers. I enjoyed going there because the Thanksgiving dinner is phenomenal. So anyhow, the night before the Thanksgiving, you know, we went to church. And I still remember when this elderly man got up as he was giving his testimony. It was really about how God broke him down. And he said, you know, I I thought I had my life going the right direction. I thought everything was going good. Um, And then until his child or his son got into trouble and drug issues and whatnot. Mm. And then he really said, you know, God broke me down. And they start crying. And then he was sharing with us. At that moment, you know, I just felt it was not really an earth-shattering testimonial. It was just a normal testimonial. But for me, my heart was ready at that time. At that time, I said, you know what? It's time for me to accept God. And then I started to learn the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus for me. So now let's go back to Chicago. Came back to Chicago in 87. And, uh, you know, life was good. You know, start running. You know, did the marathon. Did the Chicago Marathon in 1992, October 1991. And actually did it in three hours and 28 minutes. But even then, I I walked for two miles and did it in three hours and 28 minutes. Wow. So life was going good. And then in... um, Right soon after that, in October, uh, we were told that the company that had five divisions back then, and I was one of the division members in Chicago, that they're going to consolidate the five division into one. And the headquarters is going to be to Pittsburgh. So, and um, they gave me 24 hours to make a decision to move to Pittsburgh. And uh, we came to Pittsburgh in February 14th, 1992. I'll be very open with you because God knows my heart. I was very angry at God. 
I was very mad at God. I said, things were going good for me and my family. We're getting reestablished. My kids were growing up. Why do, why do you do this for me? Why are you doing this to me? But you know what? You know, it's cause God's vision for us is greater than what we could think about. So uh, it's easy for us to be so shallow, so small. But when you see his grand vision for us, it's unbelievable. So, and then Wesco, when I worked for the company here in Pittsburgh called Wesco, and things were going very, you know, things, we started getting acclimated, we started getting good, things started, you know, we started finding friends, and the job was getting better, and um, in 1994, you know, Westinghouse kind of basically was shutting down, and we got sold to uh, uh, a New York firm which was, uh, uh, you know, they purchased us in 1994. And then a part of the purchase agreement was, <clears throat> we will buy Wesco. This is a, a company called, this is an investors, really, an investor investment company. What they do is they buy companies, they clean them up, they make them good, and they sell them. So they say, that, you know, we'd like to buy, you know, this company. Uh, the company is losing money. At that time, our company, our business was up $1.4 billion. We're losing money. But if we're going to buy the business, we want to make sure that we're sure that the 24 guys that we pick invest in the money as well. So lucky for me, I don't know that God, that wasn't God's plan, but uh, I was one of the 24 guys. So invested in Wesco, in the company that I worked for, and then, uh, and then uh, things turned out, you know, that, that I could have never, ever imagined that this would happen. The, by the grace of God, things worked out for me. God is loving, God is caring, and God is good and always good. So, you know, things worked out for me. And, uh, and um, uh, you know, before I retired in 2013, really, I was the top fourth guy in the company. Uh, traveled all over the world. Um, I have been just about every part of the world, and I enjoyed it. And uh, that has been very fulfilling. So in July 2013, I thought I was ready to retire, and I stopped. But after a year, really, was tough. Uh, not tough for me, but uh, I just was getting antsy. And I recall a friend of mine who was the chairman of the board of a big company, was a very close friend of mine, asked me to come and see him in Houston. So him, myself, and a couple other good friends were had golf, and then we had dinner. And during the dinner time, this friend of mine asked me, he said, Gash, say, you're too young to retire. I know you want to relax and spend time with your family, but how about you helping out a friend of mine who's got a $650 million business? You're an expert in this field. Could you help her out for me? So... I talked to the person. Uh, it took her about six months to really convince me to come and work for her. And then I started working for her in October 2014. Then we worked, helped her out with the supply chain activities. And in September 2016, I said, really, uh, I'm moving on. So from that chapter, from the electrical distribution, and I, I was I'm fully retired as of September 2016. However, um, you know, there's always ways that 
God works in my life. And I've always have an open heart to listen to him. And I'm not saying I walk on water. I'm not saying I always listen. But sometimes he knocks me a couple times down and then I listen. <laughs> but this time was a good Christian friend of mine. Uh, in December 2015, he called me and asked me if I could come to Chicago and help him out. And this is a very good Christian friend that had, in some ways, been there for him when he was struggling and when he had some personal issues. So in December, him and I met with this African official, and uh, we showed him what the vision is. The vision was to electrify villages in, uh, in, uh, in Africa, all primarily in uh, growing countries, uh, developing countries. So we met with this ambassador in Chicago. You know, my friend and I, we met with him, we talked to him. And he asked us, he said, how about if I sponsor you to go back to my country and kind of meet with the higher-ups, with the leadership team, and show them your vision about electrifying villages, and let's see where, where it goes. So in January 2016, you know, my wife and I went to Africa for three weeks, my homeland in Ethiopia. And then on the third week of our vacation, my friend from Chicago came in. Him and I had spent a week <clears throat> meeting with the officials in Ethiopia. Then we came back, and we sat down with the ambassador, gave him a feedback to how our meeting was. The officials in Ethiopia were pretty impressed and very pleased to see it. And then they invited us to come back and see and meet with them in June. And then in June 2016, we went back again, show them again. You know, our very, very simple, very sophisticated but simple technology that every village, whether you're educated or non-educated, we could show you how to electrify your house through uh, uh, a solar. We have a small panel for every house, three LED lights for every, uh, you know, for every room that they could just plug and play. You don't have to be educated to do it. So we showed them that technology. They liked it. So in October 2016, we have an official MOU. What that means is Memorandum of Understanding signed by them and by us. And now we're working through the timeline, uh, the uh, resource allocation, and the project construction. We're doing all that kind of due diligence as we speak. And our goal is by between the December, February timeframe to have an actual contract and ultimately in 2017, 18, and 19, we should start the project. Fantastic. That's where I'm at. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Good. Thanks for sharing your story. Well, thank you for listening to Gash's story. I really hope that it added value to your life. You can find ways to connect with Gash in our show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 139. Again, if you didn't listen to the part one of the interview where we talked through leadership skills and leadership development, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. There's so much great content in that. Again, that's episode number 138 of the podcast. I want to thank our other sponsor, Bab Inc. They're an insurance broker right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they host all of our monthly leadership breakfast because they have a huge passion for developing next generation leaders. And so if your company has any insurance needs, just simply go to babbins.com. That's B-A-B-B-I-N-S.com. And if you want to stay in touch with us and everything we're doing here at L3 Leadership, you can just go to our website and sign up for our email list at l3leadership.org. And you'll also get a free copy of my ebook, Making the Most of Mentoring.
And lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave a rating and review, which helps us spread the word. Thanks again for being a listener. And as always, I like to close with a quote. And this one comes from Andrew Carnegie. I love it. He said, as I get older, I pay less attention to what men say, and I just watch what they do. And that says it all. Thanks you for listening and being part of Healthy Leadership. Laura and I appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you next episode. (laughs) 